uh, our sermon. I just want to talk about Revelation and our series. Uh, we'll see um, the first slide that should come up for you talks about uh, Revelation. And really, it, Revelation is hope, a message of hope for hope and encouragement and comfort for God's people in a world of chaos. So as I said, um, so my sermon series follows uh, a theme. I've been saying that Revelation isn't weird and wacky. It's the gospel message. It's just the gospel message in picture language. And that those pictures actually all come from the Old Testament. It's just that we're not very familiar with our Old Testaments and we're not very familiar with this style of uh, writing, this apocalyptic style that uses pictures and imagery, a bit like poetry. We're more familiar with poetry in our day and age. but uh, if I can boil it down, I think uh, Genesis, sorry, Revelation chapter one, uh, the big idea where we we have we have a we meet a Jesus, we meet a vision of the Son of Man, and he's presented as Christ, who is the Lord of all. In chapters, uh, then for the rest of the book, uh, it's spelled out what that all is, and so in chapters two and three, we see that Jesus, uh, that Christ, is the Lord who rules over His church. Tonight, we uh, see a different angle again. Uh, of the same kind of thing. It's Christ is the Lord who rules from heaven. And so each week we'll be learning more about uh, what it means for Jesus to be, uh, for Christ to be the Lord of all. So and if we flick to the next slide now, I just want to explain how what we heard last week connects with what we hear this week and every other week. I'm going to explain the logic of Revelation. So last week uh, in Genesis, so Revelation chapters two and three, there was a letter to the seven churches and there was lots of commands, uh, lots of things to do. Uh, there was lots of application. Now, usually in many New Testament books, the doctrine comes first uh, and then flowing from what we learn about Jesus and what he did from our doctrine flows the application. Uh, so it's doctrine first, application last. In Revelation, the order is switched around. The, me the practical message, the application comes first in the letters to the seven churches from Chen uh, Revelation chapters two and three. And then for the rest of the book is the doctrine in Revelations chapter four to 22. So we get the what first, what we're to do. And then from Revelation chapter four to 22, we get the why should we do that? Why should we uh, uh overcome so so that in revelation two and three the church was commanded to to overcome to conquer to persevere to be faithful uh, uh, we're given the reasons why in the rest of the book well christ overcame now he's lord of all uh, and it goes on you know because he's going to judge evil he's going to usher in the new creation so they're all the reasons why we would persevere why we'd want to overcome why we'd want to be per uh, faithful persevere uh, um, and conquer. So I hope that just helps orient you uh, to the big picture of Revelation. I, for, for many, many, many years, just got lost and confused, but um, things are becoming clearer in my brain these days, and so I'm just trying to share those things with you so that I, I don't want to just teach you uh, what it says. I want to give you tools to be able to read it for the rest of your life yourself and feed yourself. Uh, from this much neglected book by Christians. All right, well, let me pray and then we'll start uh, with tonight's sermon. Heavenly Father, we do thank you uh, 
for speaking to us. We thank you that you've given us good news of joy and hope, uh, 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 a word to help us overcome. And so we thank you that Jesus overcame. Uh, so help us to understand what his life, his death, his resurrection, and even his ascension means for our everyday lives, uh, that we can live lives that please you, that persevere in the faith till the very end. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, some are saying that 2020 is the year that God forgot. Uh, in the railway line of history, did God get off the train in 2019? Uh, now, many are anxious to give us the impression that they can explain the world and its affairs. Uh, the ABC, the BBC, CNN, the Sydney Morning Herald, the Guardian, the Australian are all well staffed with commentators who offer analysis and evaluations of our everyday lives, of every aspect of our lives. But yet, uh, for many of us, uh, uh, we feel out of our depth when it comes to understanding the world. I even know young Christians who right now, because of recent events, are doubting, well, does God even exist? Uh, sometimes it's hard to make sense of things in this world. Uh, this year alone, we've seen devastating droughts. We've seen ravaging fires and now a global pandemic. And the things, and things no doubt will only get worse before they get better around the world. Uh, many more people will die, perhaps even some we know. Business will go broke. Uh, dreams will be smashed. And many will struggle along in isolation. But sometimes our circumstances in life can seem very perplexing. These trials we experience can make us wonder if there's any rhyme or reason to this life. Uh, is there any plan? Is there any purpose? Is there any meaning? Uh, we wonder... Uh, we can wonder, what's God doing? Uh, is he governing the world or not? It's in times like these that we need reassurance that God is in control, that God hasn't forgotten us. And so our big question for today is uh, the question that many atheists and, and many people are asking. Is 2020 the year that God forgot? Well, for our answer, we turn to Revelation chapter four and chapters four and five. And they're two incredible chapters of the Bible, uh, two chapters that every Christian must know. And they make two points. Uh, their purpose is to reassure us that God is in control. Uh, you see, the original recipients of the book of Revelation were also facing dire circumstances. They also found their lot in life very perplexing. Yet the writer, uh, the Apostle John, didn't want them to blow their hardships out of proportion. That he wanted them to see the chaos of life in its proper context, in the context of heaven. Imagine you're walking along a beach when you notice a girl swimming not far from shore. And then to your horror, you see a shark approaching. And so you shout out for help. But no one listens. The other people around you see what's happening, and, but yet they seem completely unconcerned. And so you run towards the, the, the lightsaber's tower to get help. But there you see a big black 
chair with one word written on the back saying with capital letters saying director a man sits on it with a big cigar and a loud voice shouting instructions through a megaphone and so you heave a sigh of relief you've stumbled across a film set the director has everything under control well that's the effect of the vision in revelation chapter four and five the apostle john shares with us his vision from behind the scenes into heaven itself read with me chapter four verse one he says after this i looked before me uh, and sorry and after this uh, there before me was a door standing open in heaven and the voice i'd heard first heard speaking to me like a trumpet that's jesus voice said come up here and i will show you what must take place after this that is after his ascension to rule uh, uh, with in god's throne and what john saw in heaven teaches us that teaches us that whatever the circumstances in life whatever the appearances no matter how dire no matter how desperate god is in control which brings us to our first point in our first point we see that god rules over the universe from heaven uh, you see there is a throne in heaven and it's not empty read with me verse 2 chapter 4 verse 2 it says at once i was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it so in his vision john is given a revelation an insight into what's actually happening at the very center of the universe and the dominating picture is of a throne with someone on it uh, this throne is picture language a symbol of uh, the sovereignty majesty and kingly rule of god now there's a widespread conviction in our culture today that there's nothing at the center of the universe uh, in fact this represents a problem for some scientists uh, if everything happens by random church uh, chance stephen hawking in his famous book the a brief history of time asks well why should the universe go to all the bother of existing but it's not blind forces that control our destiny uh, we're not victims of fate or chance or luck the point in revelation 4 is that behind the scenes of everything that exists and happens in this world is the throne of god now often christians get bogged down trying to work out every little detail of every image in revelation but then they miss the big point well the focus the big point in this vision in chapter four is on god everything uh, he's at the center of everything everything revolves around him and god is ruling at the center ruling the universe from heaven now that's good news uh, that's reassuring news for us uh, in a world that appears to be in chaos now, let me illustrate uh, i like to fry an egg with the lid off i need to be able to see the egg but there are better cooks than me like my wife who don't need to see the egg uh, faith with faith based on evidence from past events uh, tells these better cooks that all will be well 
with the egg. Now, in the same way, for the Christian believer, there's no apparent sight of the throne of God. The, the, the sky seems closed off, and yet it's not closed off for us. By faith, we know about God and his rule. The evidence of past events, Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension are enough. Moreover, we've seen uh, the worldwide uh, church grow over the past 2,000 years, despite the chaos, despite all the obstacles that stood against them in every generation. By faith, we can see through the Bible's message and through church history, we can see God working his purposes out. We can see God ruling. And so like cooking an egg, we can be reassured that all will be well. Because God's rule is eternal. You see, every other power, every other throne can be shaken. But never that of God. His throne is permanent and secure. His rule is eternal. God will be worshipped by his church and the whole creation for eternity. Forever. Uh, read with me from verse 9. Verse 9. It says, Whenever the living creatures give glory, honour and thanks to him on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. The picture here is of endless praise from creation and the church. Now, this endless worship is only possible because God's rule is eternal. And now, God's people must endure many trials on this earth, but no trial is unbearable when we see our hardships in their proper context, in the context of heaven. No trial is unbearable when we have the assurance that this world isn't out of control, but it's actually under the control of the one who sits on the throne in heaven. In fact, the trials of life don't mean that the throne is empty, that no one's in charge. Instead, these trials are just simply part of the movie director's plan, metaphorically speaking. Which brings us to our next point. In our second point, we see that Christ shares God's rule over the universe from heaven. We can be reassured that God's in control and that he does have a plan for this world. In our passage, this is symbolized by the scroll in God's hand. Read with me chapter 5, verse 1. It says, then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, that's God, a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. Now, God has a plan. It's written symbolically. It's written on this scroll. But uh, what is God's plan for the world written on this scroll? It's sealed with seven seals. Does God, does history have a plot? Does the suffering of God's people mean, uh, ha have any meaning? What is the future of the church? And who can make sense of our existence and destiny for us? Uh, 
What about some of the wisest men who have ever lived? Can Plato or Socrates or Albert Einstein, can they explain life to us? Well, unfortunately, no. Read with me from verse 2, chapter 5, verse 2. John says, And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Now, it's nearly 2,000 years since the book of Revelation was written. And in that time, the church has spread from 12 odd people to world, be worldwide. It's now the only truly global religion in the world and the world's largest religion. So it could be hard for us to appreciate the Apostle John's anxiety that caused him to weep when no one could open the scroll and reveal God's plan for the future. But imagine your country's fighting in World War II and imagine Hitler's armies have marched into your land. Each morning, when you turn the radio on, one anxious question would flood your mind. Who is winning the war? You'd be anxious to know about the future of your nation. Will you survive the war on the winning team? Well, for the Apostle John and the original recipients of the book of Revelation, that's how they felt. The Roman Empire was breathing down their necks and they felt like they were on the losing side. So they were anxious to know about the their future, the future of God's people, the future of the church. But the good news is that there is one person who can reveal God's plan. There is one person who can give us hope amidst for the future in the midst of hardship and suffering. Read with me, verse five. It says, then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He's able to open the scroll and its seven seals. So who is this great lion? Well, it was also someone who was, uh, a, who had the appearance of a slain lamb. Well, no points for guessing. It's Jesus, of course. Read with me, verse six, verse six. John says, then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne. Now notice also here, we're given a picture of Christ sharing God's rule over the universe from heaven. He was the lamb that was standing at the center of the throne on which God was on. And so as the one who shared God's rule, who shares God's rule, Christ alone is qualified to reveal God's plan and make sense of our world. See, look at how Jesus takes the scroll from God the Father. Read with me, verse 7. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now, not every answer to every one of our questions about life and the world is given. But what is revealed is that the cross of Christ is the key to understanding the history of the world, including all its chaos. The cross is the key. Read with me, verses 9 and 10. 
And they, that's God's people, sang a new song, saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. Slain, that's a reference to the cross. The cross is the key because it unlocks God's eternal plans for world history. The cross gives true significance to our existence and even our suffering. Now, you might ask, well, how is the cross the key to history and understanding life? Well, the cross reveals the victory of the one on the throne in heaven. You see, it reveals that he is in control, that he is the ruler. See, Christ has defeated evil. Sure, not all of God's enemies acknowledge this yet. One day they will, but they'll be forced to, every knee will be forced to bow before him. But right now, God's not sitting in heaven, biting his nails, wondering what's going to happen to his plans and his chosen people. He's ab in absolute control on his throne in heaven. And the Bible tells us here that the future of God's people, you and me, is bright, despite the setback, present setbacks, despite doing church by Zoom, despite the coronavirus. Because the triumph of the church is tied to the triumph of Christ. Keep reading from verse 9, halfway through verse 9. It says, you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. And get this next line. And they will reign, they will rule on earth. That's the future of the church, to rule on earth. What God is doing against the backdrop of the chaos in world history is to call a people who will rule the world with Christ. Now that's why we must always be preaching about Christ and his cross. People uh, despair in our postmodern world in the West. They think life is meaningless. Life has no objective truth, they say. What, what you believe is true for you. The life has no truth. It, therefore, it has no destiny. And therefore, it has no purpose. And so, for people like that, when they see evil and suffering in the world, they become anxious. What else do you do? They despair. Because what hope is there for the future? They have no certainty about anything. Now, too many pulpits are full of nothing but motivational pulpit speakers. And they have sermons full of stories of larger-than-life uh, individuals meant to inspire us. But who are those? What are those individuals compared to the King of Kings and the Lord of all? Jesus Christ, who is the truly victorious one. And through his victory on the cross, we too are victors. Evil and suffering and the chaos of this world are not the end of the story. One day, God's people will rule the world with Christ in perfection. And so we must never stop preaching the cross. Only the cross can help us make sense of our lives. Only the cross makes sense of our world. Even 
the coronavirus world. And so our question was, well, is 2020 the year that God forgot? Uh, the answer is no, of course not. Christ shares God's eternal rule over the universe from heaven. And so victory over evil and suffering, even natural evil, like the coronavirus, is guaranteed. And so we must never allow ourselves to, as Christians, to interpret what's going on around us in the world, these perplexing circumstances, to be interpreted solely in terms of social or political realities. There's more to reality than appearances, than what the eye can see. The world isn't spinning out of control. At the centre of the world isn't an impersonal chemical reaction or chance or randomness. The future isn't anonymous. The future isn't empty. The future isn't meaningless. Nor is the world under the control of a virus. I learned at med school that corona means crown. It comes from Latin or Greek or something. But there is a higher crown. A crown worn by one who shares God's throne in heaven. The king of kings. And so the future is bright. At the centre of everything is a throne. And on that throne sits a sovereign God who rules the world. And we're called ultimately to trust in nothing else, nothing other than Christ on his throne. And we can trust him because we're placing ourselves into the hands, the care of the one who was slain for us. So trust God and his perfect good rule. We don't know every detail about what the future holds. But as I said last week, we know who holds the future and where on his victorious side. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you uh, for this great hope that you've given us. We thank you that Christ has overcome, that he's defeated evil and therefore suffering and the pain and the sorrow and death won't have the final word. Lord God, help us to see, to remember uh, uh, what's truly going on behind the scenes, that there is more to life than this earth, that there is heaven and you're in heaven and that you are on the throne, that you rule, that you have a plan and that your plan will be completed. It will be fulfilled. So help us to be faithful, to persevere, to overcome, to conquer, that we can reign and rule with Christ on this earth one day forever.